We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host. And joining me, as always, is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. I just got clearance to be here on Thursday during the first round. Um, probably would have shown up anyway. I just would have lost some <laughs> points in class. Um, so happy to not be missing any points in class. Steven, how are you? I'm doing great. I remember when I had to you know, schedule my classes around the, the podcast live stream for the draft. So, you know. You know, it is what it is. We uh, we got to do what we got to do and uh, jump through the hoops when we're trying to work in education. So it's just part of the business. So I'm um, excited to uh, dive into our final positional rankings video tonight. Um, it's been a long grind this year, although I will say I think I've officially decided that it's better to start the, the draft process in February than it is in November because uh, <laughs> like there still is yeah. like it, it's a lot of like stress catching up to everybody. But at the same time, like you have your own views. Like I think you don't get like as done with the process at this time. Like mm. at this time last year, I was just kind of like, Ugh, okay, like let's get to the draft. I'm still like pretty excited about like watching films. So yeah, uh, regardless, excited to uh, jump into our offensive tackle rankings today, which are our final episode rankings or positional rankings, excuse me, of the 2023 class. Yeah, I can't believe we're here. Uh, new plan for next year. Uh, we make the playoffs. We win the Super Bowl. And then we start watching film. I think that's a fair compromise for everyone. We just, yeah. you know, Chargers win the Super Bowl every year. We start in February. <laughs> totally fine. I can work with that. Yeah. I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, we would be starting probably like in March. So it would really be like just getting like top fives into this group. So, uh, you know, <laughs> 
it is what it is. I, I, in all seriousness, I love the draft, man. I love all of the discussions. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've really tried to go out of my way this year and like follow new people who like are also into the draft. And so just getting a bunch of new ideas and, uh, you know, able to kind of discuss some things with people that I don't see like, uh, mm. You know, we've we've talked a little bit back and forth on Twitter about Kendra Miller, and he was somebody I was initially mm-hmm. like slower on. And then, you know, obviously Arjun's, you know, graphics certainly help. But then just kind of talking about people or talking about him with other people, you know, it's something like that that kind of you know helps you kind of see a, see a prospect more clearly. So, um, lots of uh, exciting stuff ahead in, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't even watch college film like like actual college football when it's live. Yeah. So I organically found out who Jackson, no, I'm sorry, who Marvin Harrison Jr. is by just like, <laughs> like, I didn't know what, I knew his name, yeah. Um, but I didn't know what number he was. Then I started watching DBs and I'm like, you know, that, that number 18 is pretty good. Like, <laughs> he's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty good. So I'm like, oh, that's who he is. Um, so it is kind of fun to organically go through this and be like, oh, that's who it is. Um, but also like circle back because someone like Lucas Van Ness, I wasn't super high on it. I'm not like saying he's a top two edge for me. Like some people have him, but like watching him again, but in the context of having watched him and then watching some of the offensive tackles or guards or whatever, you know, you kind of like change your grade because now you know who these guys are. I didn't know who Paris Johnson Jr. was before this process. I, I knew the yeah. right for Ohio state was a big old dude, but that's kind of it. That's all I had. Um, so going back, you can kind of like adjust some of your grades based on the competition that they face and have some appreciation for guys that we graded earlier in the cycle that we didn't know about or I didn't know about. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is a, my public petition to make college football film available on some kind of platform to everybody. Uh, I will pay for it even like if it's an NIL foundation thing for your players. Like it's yeah. so annoying. Like I <laughs> I was really excited this week to watch, you know, some more uh, Nick Saldaveri tape and uh, you know, they played Appalachian State, and I was like, okay, I can watch another good game against for Saldaveri against uh-huh. a nice quality edge rusher and Nick Hampton. Uh, get some more Zach Kuntz film as well, and just kind mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of fill in the gaps a little bit there. And Nick Hampton didn't play, and Zach Kuntz didn't play. And I'm like, <laughs> like I watched like 15 plays, and I'm like, wait, where's Hampton at? Where's Kuntz at? And neither of them played. And I was just like, what the hell, man? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I had to get film from uh, a friend and who got it from a friend. So, you know, it just is like <laughs> college film should be available to everybody who wants it. I think that would make things a lot better. Um, draft Twitter would go crazy. You know, everybody like me and you would pay for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is my public plea to for teams to make your college coaches tape available to the public somehow. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully we have friends of friends and worst case scenario, we do have caddies and worst, worst case scenario, you're scraping through YouTube as best you can for right. some random, you know, like I remember trying to watch Quinn Miners, fine <laughs> Quinn Miners film. Yeah, uh, just trying your best to work with that. But hey, anybody out there who wants to make some money in the business, just do exactly what caddies cutups does. But like just prioritize like linemen or something. Yeah. And, and like, or just be a little bit faster. And I will pay double. I will pay triple. I will pay a good hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks for a better database, or just have everything available. Like I'll pay serious money to have things all available for me because uh, it's just that much more helpful. I know it's not for everyone. I know some people don't have the time or even the finances or whatever to watch all twenty-two. But just it's such a wonderful resource, and, and it changes the way you see the game. Honestly, even for someone yeah. like me who doesn't really know anything. It's still like I'm at least going to try my best to do my homework. 
Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you saw uh, Brett Coleman and uh, EJ Snyder get flagged like all the time these days because they put like yeah. all 22 footage up. Mm-hmm. And it's always these SEC schools, man. I'm like SEC schools, like let people well, broke, talk about your players. Yeah. Like, come on. It's it's ridiculous. So uh, yeah. that that's uh, that's our little rant about college tapes. So, <laughs> um, you know, we do have a, a bit of news to get to before we dive into our offensive tackle rankings. That is, of course, the return of Jalen Guyton, which is something we kind of talked about early on in the process in terms of free agency. And then we weren't super sure if he would uh, ultimately come back and, and, you know, be healthy this season. So mm-hmm. um, he is back. He has re-signed with the team wearing number 15 this year. So he booted Cameron Dicker out of his number. So mm-hmm. poor Cameron Dicker, this will be his uh, fifth number in the NFL in, in two years. They'll be wearing number 11. Yeah. Um, but Tyler, your your thoughts here as we uh, maybe kind of relate this to the draft and how this could possibly impact draft weekend for the Chargers and uh, Mr. Jalen Guyton coming back. Yeah, this this Jalen Guyton thing is fascinating to me because, well, one, good for him. Welcome back. I, I understand why they'd have him back, and I'm all for it. But, you know, in January after the Jaguars game, you know, let's say there was a conversation with a certain quarterback, and, you know, he said that he missed Jalen Guyton and knew that the offense just needed him or really any vertical, you know, speed threat and presence out there. So teams would stop being able to play the run, play the mm-hmm. short game, that sort of thing especially in an offense that has prioritized the short game. Um, and then later we see Austin Eckler say, I think a month or so later, go on live TV and say, hey, we missed Jalen Guyton because we didn't have that speed threat out there. So, And now he's back. And, and to me, like you have two prominent offensive players saying that they missed Jalen Guyton and now Jalen Guyton is back. And I, I think that Chargers fans really need to, and this might play into the draft process, we'll, we'll see in a week, Justin Herbert really likes Jalen Guyton and Justin Herbert is going to, I don't want to say get his way, but if, I mean, Guyton, Jalen Guyton is back. And, and I think that mm. Justin Herbert really, and his, his trust in him does play a really big part in that. I mean, the longest completion of Justin Herbert's career is 72 yards and that's to Jalen Guyton against the Bucks. You know, the best throw, maybe you think I would, I would agree and argue that's the best one we've ever seen from Justin Herbert is to Jalen Guyton where he split, you know, um, too high or whatever against the Giants, which mm-hmm. is something Justin Herbert has struggled against. Um, what did Jesse Bates just make, like $60 million or whatever it is? Herbert just threw it up to him, threw it up to Jalen Guyton to go out and, and moss Jesse Bates in the end zone. Like, yeah. Herbert does, like, his, you know, I get his his interceptions are up, but his turnover-worthy play rate is best in the league practically the last two and a half years or so, three years really overall, better than anybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. And he just threw a jump ball to Jalen Guyton against Jesse Bates. Like, that's how much he trusts Jalen Guyton. And Jalen Guyton had more fourth down um, targets and conversions than Mike Williams for all of 2021 until the final game where Mike Williams had 32 of them or whatever. But for the most part, like, Jalen Guyton has a lot of of trust built from in, in a relationship with him and Justin Herbert that, you know, I don't know if a guy that comes out in the draft is going to have. So... Overall, I don't think that his return changes anything about the Chargers draft strategy the first, I would say, at least two rounds. But I also don't think that means that they were or weren't like they were going to take a receiver. Now they won't like. I don't know, man, to me, like I'm looking at the the way the roster is constructed and what they've been doing, and it really just seems to me like they're going to maintain continuity as much as possible. The only ones that left were Matt Filer because they had to cut him 
mm-hmm. but the only the only change there is you're just taking a starter you already had who was a starter for you last year and just inserting him at left guard so there really is still continuity there you know the defense there's so much overturn you know whether it's tranquil van noy so far callahan so far um adderley retired fahoko we'll see about gilman and woods you know what happens there um whether they're a starter or not but there's so much turnover there but on offense they've tried to maintain so much continuity to the point where like easton stick is back and will clap <laughs> is sure. back yeah you know and now donald parham trey pipkins and now jalen guyton is back so you know i don't think it changes anything for the chargers plans early in the draft nor should it but i also really think that that doesn't mean that their plan was to ever draft the receiver in the first two rounds to begin with like i i really think and the chargers fans hate this but i had the same conversation last year i really think that they think they're set for the most part and they're going to wait to address wide receiver at best in round two of this upcoming draft but i really feel like it's going to be a third round you know high ras project sort of guy classic tom telesco thing maybe someone day three and that's kind of it and if this sounds familiar you know when they signed deandre carter last year i remember having the conversation when i on, on the video that i made that do I agree with it? No, we were drafting receivers over and over and over again at different points in the draft last year in right. our mocks. But I said, like, if you look at Carter's role in Washington and you kind of believe in Jalen Guyton, I feel like the Chargers aren't going to take a receiver early. They didn't, and they flat out didn't take one at all. At all. <laughs> at all. So, you know, no one's going to want to hear that. But I, I don't know, man. I'm not, I, Jalen Guyton doesn't change the draft plans. In the first two or three, or the first you know two, I think three rounds, but I also don't think that they are going to take a receiver very early either. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, worst case scenario for Jalen Guyton, in my opinion, is that he's wide receiver five. You know, I think um, we'll see about his health. You know, usually somebody who is coming off an ACL injury has you know some issues in his first uh, in his first season back, so. You know, this is uh, dependent on how his health goes, but he tore his ACL in September. So he's got a lot of time to to recover until, you know, game one, so to speak. So I don't I, like you. I don't think he changes the first three rounds. Um, you know, I still think that they're going to take a receiver in the first three rounds at some point. Frankly, like they need the long term flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you just don't know with Keenan Allen and uh, and Mike Williams, who's going to be on the roster at this time next year. So. I still think that they need to take one early, but I think this gives them the flexibility in the same way that bringing back Will Clapp does, you know, on day three, you know, Will Clapp can play center. He can play guard. It doesn't necessarily pencil you into taking a pure center or missing out on a pure center. If that's like what your plan is. And same thing with Jalen Guyton. If you, if you play the board on, on day three and there's just not a receiver that you really love to, to come away with, then Jalen Guyton's your wide receiver five. You probably feel pretty good about it. And you can find a return man uh, specialist in as an undrafted free agent, or maybe you kind of do that as a, as a you know post draft signing. So I don't think this really, like you said, I don't think this changes much on the first two days, but I think it gives them some flexibility, some insurance on day three if they don't feel like they absolutely love one of these receivers, you know, late in the in the class. Yeah, and I don't. I don't buy. Now we'll see with the injury. That's the only thing that's the the clear, obvious question mark here. But I, I really don't think if we're talking like Trey Palmer territory or Andre Yosevich territory, Bryce Ford Wheaton territory or something like that. Like I don't think any of those guys are beating out Jalen Guyton in camp 
not with the chemistry that he has, Agreed. not like, and also we've seen Jalen Guyton play football and get better. And it was just Joe Lombardi going, nah, or whoever it was <laughs> saying like, nah, we're not going to play him. Like the speed threat we need, we're not going to play him um, for the first, you know, three and a half games of last year. And yeah. of course he finally plays in a game and he does a great pass. Look, he throws deep at 40 yards. It was great. Top so 10 weird. Herbert throw. There it is. And then he yeah. gets hurt. So yeah. unfortunate, but I, I don't know. I'm really curious who they think could beat out Jalen Guyton because yes, like in theory, you, you you could find some guys that maybe could, but I don't know that somebody is given his history and chemistry with Justin Herbert. Yeah. You know, that trust is huge. And, you know, you've talked about, you know, several plays, but uh, his first touchdown pass was to Jalen Guyton. So, you know, there's just, uh, there's just a ton of trust between those two, you know, going back to, you know, his rookie training camp where Jalen Guyton was like his go-to guy because Anthony Lynn refused to give him starter reps. So, <laughs> uh, you know, look at that coming for yeah. a full circle here. Um, so I still think that they take a receiver on, on day two. I think that's the best approach here. Mm -hmm. You know, add some uh, versatility in that room. You know, we'll see ultimately kind of how this wide receiver board pans out. You know, there's a, a lot of smoke that the NFL as a whole is not super high on this wide receiver class. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that probably indicates that that's the chargers too. Right. And we've talked about this. Like, I think me and you both really like Zay flowers would be very happy with Zay flowers in the first round. I think Jordan Addison kind of to a lesser extent, but we get it. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're physical outliers and this isn't a great class. So I just have a hard time thinking that the chargers are going to prioritize wide receiver in the first round, I still think that they could prioritize that on day two. You know, there's, uh, again, James Palmer today from NFL Network kind of stoking the fires of, of the Chargers potentially trading down. And listen, man, if they can trade down, like that's an ideal situation as we can, we have continued to talk about. So, um, you know, I can, I still see them taking a receiver on day two. Like that to me is like the most likely receiver outcome, you know, get somebody who can, uh offer you some verticality threat as well as potentially you know giving you some yak ability like i still think marvin mills mm -hmm. would be a fantastic pick um we really like jonathan mingo as well so um the chargers like i know everybody wants them to take a receiver in the round one in round one if this were a better class i'd be all about it but it just it's not analysts have said that from the beginning and now the nfl is starting to come out and say themselves too like you know, Quentin Johnston is is wide receiver two consensus apparently in the league according to Tony Pauline. Like, that's that's a, a rough thing for the league to come out and say, uh, you know, with sources and everything like that. So, you know, Quentin Johnston being wide receiver two, I think in most years he's probably like wide wide receiver five six consensus. So, it's just not a great class, and I think fans have really overvalued this specific class. And you know, we'll get to our big board on our next episode, but. Mm -hmm. um, fans have really been all about receiver when really it's just like, I've never felt like that's a strong possibility unless like everybody else is gone. Like if they trade back and all the tight ends, all the edge rushers, all the corners that they like are all gone, then sure. Take a wide receiver. But I just, I don't think the chargers are going to prioritize wide receiver in round one. And I signing Jalen Guyton doesn't necessarily change that. Like I said, to me, that's more about like day three flexibility. Yeah. Definitely want to specify there in case someone takes our word and clips it out or whatever. Like, we're not saying Jalen Guyton means they don't draft a receiver in round one. I mean, they might think that. I don't know. But like, <laughs> they might not do it. But I don't think it's anything to do with Jalen Guyton. Um, what would you think then they're looking for round two, round three, whatever is the rest of the draft to kind of complement this room? Or, or are they complementing the room at all? 
is it going to be someone smaller and twitchier? Is it going to be a yak guy? Are they going to find their Cedric Tillman, their Bryce Ford Wheaton on day three? Like, are they going for their bigger body guy that they're used to? Are they just going to go with best receiver available? Like, what do you think that they look for? Because Jalen Guyton is now at minimum an answer to some speed in the room. So do they go yeah. get another guy who's like Jalen Guyton and runs fast? Or do you think they kind of pivot and find a different body type? I still think that it might not be like a vertical specialist, so to speak. But, you know, if Jalen, if Jalen Hyatt is there at 54, you know, you could have Jalen and Jalen, which I think would be funny because Jalen Hyatt's kind of like a souped up version of Jalen Guyton. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily like a prerequisite that it's one or the other. Um, I do think that they need some kind of like athletic dimension, whether that's a yards after catch guy, whether that's a vertical player, you know, they, they do need more speed. And I think, you know, Kellen Moore and Tom Telesco certainly have a type, but I just feel like going out and getting Cedric Tillman or somebody like that is, is just too redundant for 2023. Like in a vacuum, I can understand why you would want Tillman to potentially be your future ex. But in 2023, with him and Mike Williams, I just feel like that's a little that's a little too redundant right now. Yeah, I think so. I think when it comes time to my my guess, honestly, their start their starting three is set. I think that's their starting three, unless yeah. for some reason Jackson Smith and Nuba falls. I think they play it out this year with Guyton and a draft pick or someone they sign. And I think next year, if they do pivot away from Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, I think they just take the receiver in round one that replaces whoever is let go yeah. because of their contract. That's how I think Tom Telesco does it. And I think that's kind of based on how he's always, always done it. Like whoever, the big, whatever it is that leaves, there's a draft pick really early on that replaces them. Yeah. It's always been like that for him. Um, and I think that's what happens next year. Yeah, I think that the the need for like a future wide receiver one is a bit overstated right now. A, because like I said, this class is not stocked full with those guys. Um, I, I think if Jackson Smith and Jigba were the only guy like in the next three, four years to have like multiple thousand yard seasons, I would not be surprised. You know, I just I, this is just not that kind of class. So you take a complimentary piece that can complement your current core and your future core. And then next year, like you're saying, you know, first round wide receiver, second round wide receiver. It's like we don't know for sure, but it sounds like next year's wide receiver class is obviously is is better. It certainly has Marvin Harrison Jr. in it, um, who will not be available to the Chargers, unfortunately. No, <laughs> barring like a truly disastrous season, um, that man's going to be a top three pick next year. But uh, you know, there are some other receivers that I think could could certainly pop up. And you know, this this wide receiver class is is really an outlier. Like this is this is the worst receiver class in terms of top end talent that we've seen in probably like five six years. So. I would assume next year we get back to like normal, like three, four legitimate top 15 pick kind of class. Yeah, I would imagine. I, I can't imagine it's like wide receiver doesn't feel like a position that would be trending downward for, you know, NFL right. pipeline and stuff. So, right. Yeah, I think they'll get back to quote unquote, you know, their form. Of course, Marvin Harrison Jr. will help fix that. I know who he is now. Um, <laughs> and so I can't wait to figure out who all these receivers are in February of next year. Yeah, man. Uh, I'll, you know, there's Antonio Gates Jr. too at Michigan State. So, Oh, jeez, uh, I'm so old. <laughs> what is happening? Oh, also, speaking of uh, no, Chargers, Legends, Sons, or whatever, uh, Dane Brugler was listening to his podcast. If, apparently, Travius Hodges Tomlinson just wants to go by Trey Tomlinson now. So no more Vias and no more Hodges. It's just Trey Tomlinson, which I think is, is uh, a good thing for him. Okay. 
I really have a conspiracy in my brain that the Chargers are going to take Tomlinson, and that's mm. just going to be all over. Like you can sell the shit out of that. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. Especially if he just goes by Tomlinson, you can mm-hmm. buy a new Tomlinson jersey, <laughs> and he plays DB. Like, come on, you can you can sell yeah. that. And he is fun player. I, yeah. I, I think I think it's kind of a round four ish thing, given the size, but like. He's pretty talented and it'd be a lot of fun. I have a sort of mini conspiracy in my head that like the charges will make that happen. (laughs) I mean, he's a good player, man. I would be very concerned about the lack of size at cornerback if that were the case with him and Asante Samuel Jr. But yeah, uh, in a vacuum, he's a good player. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Um, all right, so we're, uh, we've been talking for 23 minutes already, so we'll uh, jump right <laughs> into our offensive tackle rankings. Tyler, if you want to uh, share that sheet, we'll get started there, um, and then uh, we'll get started. So we're back to normal top eight and a just missed. Um, this offensive tackle class, I think, has some really quality talent at the top and then uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. really falls off later on. So uh, excited to see how this one goes. Yeah, I, I didn't dislike this class by any means. Um, I, I, I'm in love with one of the players on here, at least. Like, yeah, he, I'm going to switch him out and he'll be my best man at my wedding. But <laughs> um, can you, but, uh, sorry, Tyler, can you zoom in on that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, let me see if I can wait. Here we go. That's a little, the school's going to be the toughest one to fit there. So let's go 125. Okay. You, you think go. after the 19th time we've done this that I would know that, but <laughs> it's all good. All right. So um, I'll start with this one. I'll start with my just missed player here. Let me make sure I have this right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, my just missed is going to be Mr. Wanya Morris from Oklahoma. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So both uh, Oklahoma tackles make my uh, top list. Um, you know, I did not get to a ton of other ones that really, uh, would challenge this. So, like I said, the drop-off was pretty steep for me. Um, so I don't necessarily love Wanya Morris, you know, Jalen, uh, Duncan from Maryland is my 10th. And like, I, I'm just like, not a huge fan of his, <laughs> but like, 
that's yeah. where the class is at. So mm-hmm. um, Wanya Morris, I think, is your like kind of consolation prize if you miss out on who I, I think we're both going to have uh, in the top three, Mr. Darnell Wright, in terms of like pure right tackle, very heavy-handed kind of player. Um, I do think Darnell Wright is is much more athletic, but uh, mm-hmm. Wanya Morris has one of the more violent natures to his game. Uh, really great size. Um, his his range is a little bit concerning, which is why I have him this low. But uh, if you want some some violence, some nastiness in terms of uh, your backup offensive tackle, I think Wanya Morris is a is a quality player to uh, take that chance on. That's beautiful. I, I didn't get to watching him, but that's so much the Oklahoma way that I've yeah. started to notice. Like I didn't know that was a thing, and then Brandon Thorne the other day mentioned that that was like what they do. They emphasize finishing blocks. And if it's, you know, Braden Willis, the tight end, this class, uh, Marquise Hayes yep. from last year's class at guard. Like, these guys are awesome. And, of course, there's another Oklahoma tackle on here as well. Um, I didn't watch him, but I, I should, I think. It seems like you'd like him. Uh, Jalen Duncan is also my 10th, so he didn't make my list. I only graded 10, so sort of process of elimination. Let me get this name right. S-A. Okay. I'll, I'll okay. I can make yeah. this work. Yeah. Nick. Sal DeVerry. There you go. Old Dominion. I'm going to teach one day and I'm sitting here like S A L M I S S I S S S. Yeah. Currently unemployed. So Nick Sal DeVerry from Old Dominion. Hire my guy. Please. Whatever. Never mind. I can't see the other thing. South Bear is a three-year starter at Old Dominion. Um, mm-hmm. Most of his snaps at right tackle, of course. Uh, I got to him sort of late. Uh, one game, basically, at right guard, and I think, like, one game at, at left tackle that I didn't watch. Yeah. But he does, like, I do really like him more than I think this ninth-place start here. I just don't know. I'm trying to prioritize some ceilings over others. But South Bear is really, really solid. I think his recovery is excellent. I sent you a rep, right? Like, he was able to extend his leg like a gymnast and jump three feet the other direction yeah. to try to recover. Like that was really, really impressive from him. One of the higher IQ guys, like right from the jump, I could tell like this is a high IQ guy in terms of, you know, blitzes, stunts, whatever, helping his other guys out. This didn't like most of this class didn't feel like they had a ton of guys that were really good at helping their other guys out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vassal Devere could really, really so much do that. The biggest concern that I saw through the games that I watched was, um, he tended to let the guys get his hands into his chest first, whether he was late or because of wide hands. And I feel like it was impressive because even when I was watching Appalachian State, like he was able to anchor down and hold them. Um, but then some other people from maybe bigger, better programs were able to, you know, get his hands into his chest and beat him out, leverage him out, power him out, work him, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those power rushes were kind of nasty on him. So I would have liked to have seen after three years as a starter that that was worked through. Um, but still, I think he's a heck of a player. Um, he wouldn't. I, I watched his game against Virginia at guard, and I thought he looked really solid there. I, I'm not saying he's like a, a Zion Johnson, but I could tell like you could just you could flip him to guard, and he was pretty aware of what he was doing. And even within that game, he would go like tackle, guard, tackle, guard. I don't know why. I don't know what the deal was with that game, but it was kind of like Max Mitchell's game from last year, where like he would just have to flip around different parts of the line mid game sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Solid guy, solid athlete, good traits. I could definitely see him as a Chargers target. Um, the correct response is that it's probably round four. The Telesco response is that it's probably round three. Right. 
Right. Yeah. If if the Chargers want him, they're gonna have to take him in uh, in round three. So um, I watched him earlier this week. You know, I watched him after hearing uh, that Brandon Thorne had him as a top 60, uh, 65 player. I think it was might have been top seventy. Oh, wow. um, so Brandon Thorne really really likes him. He's also kind of down on the tackle class, and I think in a normal mm-hmm. class, like he probably doesn't make the top ten. Right. Like I think there's just not great depth at this position. So um Saldaveri, i think is like you mentioned you're highlighting his kind of strengths there incredibly smart player just really sound and calm and collected when he's playing um whatever kind of stunt or or slot blitz or delayed blitz that other teams were throwing at him he always seemed to have an answer for it um mm-hmm. always had his head on a swivel always had the right technique to pick those kind of things up and i think that does matter it offers you you know a really nice floor that he's going to be able to handle different kind of schemes, different kind of blitzes, different kind of stunts and games. Like, you know that he's going to be, you know, a high IQ kind of player for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned just his uh, kind of tendency to have uh, rushers get into his chest. That's definitely something that I noticed more against uh, Coastal Carolina than I did against Appalachian yeah. State. Um, so technique is a bit up and down. I think for me, it really all comes down to his get off and his technique because he mm. tested at a very high level in terms of his 10 yard split in terms of his short shuttle three cone. Um, so the athleticism is there mm-hmm. and this is something that Trey Pipkins has also kind of struggled with. And he mentioned in his article uh, in the fall with uh, Daniel Popper is that he needed somebody to be able to help him unlock that athleticism mm-hmm. because he was almost used to, you know, when you're in college and you're playing offensive tackle, you're his size, you know, six, six, three twenty at old dominion. Like you don't necessarily have to be like super refined <laughs> yeah. in your technique and your get off and things like that. Um, but who's he training with? Mr. Duke Mannyweather. So mm-hmm. uh, like you mentioned, he checks a lot of boxes for the Chargers um, in terms of like a future, you know, right tackle, swing tackle type. I wish he had been a little bit more versatile at college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen a bunch of these other guys kind of move around more often, um, you know, like you know brandon daniels at utah he, he i don't have him as a tackle but right. you know we've seen him move around right more often cody mock who i have later on here like he moved around at the senior bowl at least mm-hmm. so the very he's kind of stuck to right tackle and i think he can have a lot of value right but i wish there were just a little bit more flexibility there and maybe that's something he can work on for sure but in terms of you know this class like i have him right at the cutoff as a third round grade he's he's at a six out of eight for me which is that cutoff mm-hmm. um so I think it's a quality developmental option. And like I said, if you can really help him unlock that explosiveness, I think you can get a, a quality player down the road. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, from the Wynn family, I, you know, it's hard to trust or not trust Pipkins because he's hasn't played a ton, but then he did play that full year, but he wasn't able to play through it. But yeah, I agree. Like someone like this, a couple guys on this list, and some guys I'll probably watch later on. We'll see. Um, but I would love for them to get a adopt option. And, and why not? The Chargers have you know shown what happens when pipkins is not on the field and i think that is it's very clear that they do need some backup options so i'll be happy with Saldaveri there yeah um, and, and um, what you mentioned to, go for it to thomas martinez's point uh arm length is 33.25 according to uh the ras website yeah i think only one of the tackles i have ranked has under 33 and that is is it Berger? no uh, I think Steen? Bergeron's Berger, Bergeron's at 33. Steen's under 33. Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I actually have Steen as a guard. So oh, good, good okay. transition there. Um, so he he did not make my list. I, I yeah. Would, if I kept him at tackle, 
I think that would move Wanya Morris down, but I, I do mm-hmm. think like, you know, Tyler Steen kind of has some yeah. stereotypical That's a good one. guard traits. That's a good one. Yeah. So I have Steen at number eight, but I totally get it. Um, I totally yeah. get the the guard part there too. Cause he I don't know what it is about Alabama players. I might <laughs> as well just put him on my number eight, but like, yeah, they have like this look to them. I don't know what uh-huh. it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like I don't yeah. have to, I don't want to like say like it's not an offensive thing it's not like he's like big fat or anything but like i don't know man they got like this thick build to them and they move a certain way i like he just lo- he looks like think of the last five alabama tackles and he looks like that um, yeah but he also like I, I could totally see the guard yeah yeah sorry to interrupt you there i think i mean i'm, I'm making sure here um yeah so tyler steen actually started his career at alabama or at vanderbilt Mm-hmm. as a defensive end and then uh oh, I to right that. tackle uh and then played left tackle for alabama so you want to talk about some versatility i think he 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 has that and i think i like it because to me the the concern with tyler steen is just like his range just his ability to, to yeah. get to the second level um but i think in this class like you know if you're you know, floor is a quality guard prospect. Like I think you, you can make that transition. So that to me is like Duke Manuel always talks about this. It's like arm length has kind of become like, Oh, like if it's under 33, you have to transition to guard for me. It's like, what kind of range do you have? Like what kind of explosiveness off the ball do you have? And can you execute these reach blocks and these backside cutoffs? And can you get to the second level? And if you can, like, I think you can learn how to manage the the shorter arms. So um, that is why I kept Cody Mock as an offensive tackle. And that's mm-hmm. why I, I switched Tyler Steen to, to guard, because I just don't think that Steen has that kind of range. Yeah, I had Cody Mock as a guard because that's kind of, well, one, I didn't watch a lot of guards, so I I had to uh, to make a list. <laughs> but thinking about it more, like he should have he should have definitely stayed at tackle for me. So he would have been like, I don't know, seventh or sixth for me. Yeah, so he is number seven oh, okay. for me. Um, I'm just going to put it To your point there. about arm length as well, Jamari Sawyer's arms were 33.625 inch arms, and he's like a guard. Like I know he played tackle, yeah. but it's it wasn't an arm length issue for Jamari Sawyer. Yeah. Not that there's an issue, but just more right. that the movement skills and other things like that. Right. So um, uh, Cody Mock to me is somebody that really kind of stands out. If the Chargers needed like, uh, a, like a true right tackle starter and they couldn't get one in the first round, like Cody mock, I think would be somebody that I think could stand out for them. He's got a lot of versatility. Um, you know, he played, he reportedly practiced every single day at North Dakota state as a center. Um, so some people think that center is his best position potentially down the road. Um, and you know, I, I didn't get to watch any of like the senior role practices, but everybody that was there kind of said that he was, you know, noticeably more comfortable at tackle, um, and there wasn't a whole lot of difference for him between left tackle and right tackle, but just like the, the comfort level at guard, I think is going to take some work there. So, um, obviously some people have brought up like Dylan Radins hasn't necessarily worked out in the NFL. I think mm. I would argue that's more about the situation and how they were like, not super committed to like, yeah, you're a guard, you're a tackle. Like, we're going to give you some time. Like he was starting at left guard for them. Like in his third game as a rookie. So um, I, I think Cody Mock is a better prospect. I liked Dylan Radin's a, a good amount. I think Mock has, you know, more power and versatility to his game. I think Radin's was more of a project than, than Mock was or is, I guess. Um, so I, I like Mock a good amount. I think he's he's 
probably out of the Chargers range. Um, and then this is probably my biggest disagreement here uh, with the general consensus. I have uh, Dewan Jones at number six. So okay, I um, I have him as a, at a six point four. So he is he does have a third round grade for me. Mm-hmm. This is like stylistically like i just don't believe that a tackle of this size really like works in the nfl like (laughs) Mm. outside of like orlando brown who was like a historically bad athlete at the position um (laughs) there just aren't a ton of like positive examples of guys Mm. this size like lasting in the nfl so um i think also with him i don't think he really knows how to play to his size profile like you watched Makai Makai Becton at Louisville, and you know he's not the same kind of size. But Christian Darrisaw at Virginia Tech, like those guys know how to play big. I think Dewan Jones is still discovering how to do that. And there's just there's just some technique things that I think really need to be cleaned up. Um, I felt like he was generally always slow off the football, and I felt mm-hmm. like he was really lungy as a blocker. Um, so again, in a better class, he's probably lower than this, but. Um, I'm just, it's just not my style. Like, I, I think like a lot of that does come down to the draft and how we grade people is like, what, you know, what kind of players are you used to in your career? Like, how do you, who do you watch and prioritize? Like, I mean, Rashawn Slater, like, yeah, he's, he's an elite player, but like, that's my kind of guy. Like I, I like the smooth movers, explosive athletes more so than like somebody who's a, a ginormous human being and just like really big and physical. And also Dewan Jones is just not that kind of physical to me. Yeah, I would definitely agree there. I don't have him. I don't say that low because not like six is low, but I think people have him as like second sometimes or, or third. Yeah, people want class. him in the first round. I'm very uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I am thankful the Chargers don't need to have that question answered <laughs> um, this yeah. year, you know, but, um, you know, like you, I have him as a, a borderline end of second round grade. So he's a, a tiny bit higher, but I, I do understand. Like, I don't, I don't buy the, there's, there's a drop off for me. I think the top three, not that they're in a kind of a certain range. And then I think there's a bit of a, a drop from there. Sure. All right. Uh, number seven for me is from the Brigham Young University, uh, Blake Freeland from BYU. Did not watch him. Yeah, I figured. Um, <laughs> and then for six, I have Matthew Berger, Bergeron. Yep. From Syracuse. Um, I think Bergeron probably should have been higher, but I, I couldn't really sort through a certain cluster to get him high enough to pass up some of these guys. Um, and then I did kind of appreciate Miles Murphy more after watching Bergeron. Um, so it happens. Um, I'll talk about the BYU guy. I think that means I have 15 seconds um so (laughs) you can talk about it like if you like puka nakua like you can talk about him too but uh i will not watch byu tape okay um prototype of the position 98th percentile tester 92 99.2 pass blocking efficiency um very 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 zone specific guy um played both right and left tackle started two years at right tackle then did two years at left tackle um think of zone think of zone guys Best mean you can use his athleticism. Best mean you can reach a spot, you know, beat you, be out athlete you to a certain spot. Um, he's got the height to do it. He's got the length to do it. He's got the athleticism to do it, to get to any spot. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but he's like better in the the bigger movements and the macro movements of playing tackles. So if he can like get a full head of steam and run somewhere, if he's pulling or whatever, sure. like that seems to be better for him. But some of the, the, the smaller things, 
um, you know, the minor movements working in that phone booth and with power, I think is a bit of a problem for him there. Um, he's kind of one of the proto, like not prototype, stereotype tall tackles where it's like, oh, he can't squat and, you know, and bend and that sort of thing. Like he's a taller guy and he's got long arms and he didn't really need to develop as much. And you would have liked to see more at that point. But, you know, if you get him in the right system, I think he's going to be solid. You just have to get him in that right system. Um, we'll see. I think bootleg was talking pretty highly of him not as like a, a top three guy by any means but as a potential like second third rounder probably a second rounder sort of type i think some team could look at his athletic traits you know the overall build and say that's the tackle i want i'll go get him so i could see him going in the second round but i have a third round grade on him yeah uh brandon thorn was pretty concerned about his ability to anchor is that something you noticed or no i'm sorry i was reading the uh, love your content comment from travis holland so one more time <laughs> it's all good uh thank you travis by the way um so Dan, brandon thorne is pretty concerned about his ability to anchor and mm-hmm. just like giving up his chest is that something yeah that out to you too i didn't see as much giving up the the chest on that one i would say he ducks his head i would say that the length is great when he can use it but if he's lunging and ducking his head that's a problem so i suppose you give up leverage that way and because he's so tall like and he's he's just He's unable to sink, sit, squat, you know, and bend that sort of way. So he kind of has to win with the length and the pop. Can he fix that? I'm sure he can fix that. Um, I didn't see. I think he has more power going forward than he does anchors sitting back. So if someone's trying to power rush him, I think there's more of an issue. I think if he's trying to be more powerful and beat guys again to a spot and then try to knock them out of the way or use the strength going forward, I think he's better. All right. There we go. Um, and to solo man's point here in the chat, uh, Blake Freeland is a, a very rare case at BYU. He did not serve a mission. Uh, so, you know, like when Braden Christensen came out, he was like 25. So that's, that's mm. not the case with Blake Freeland. I think he just turned 22. Um, so he, you know, age is not super concerning there. Um, Thomas Martinez pointing out he had a rough senior bowl apparently. So um, uh, I missed that. The important yeah. question is, does he know what soaking is? <laughs> Somebody pointed that earlier. I wasn't sure if you were going to get they, to it or not. No, oh, I missed it. Darn it all. Thank you. Yes, uh, another, another shout out fitness. He's, he, he's the one who made the comment. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but uh, no comment there. So uh, I will not be watching him. You know, it is what it is. Um, all right. So number five for me uh, is the guy you have at number six, Matthew Bergeron. I really wanted to make him higher than the guy who I have number four who is mm-hmm. Anton Harrison from yeah. Oklahoma. Um, you know, I think, you know, Anton Harrison just turned 21. So there's a there's a bit of a project nature to him, to his game. Yeah. He does have some kind of technique issues that really need to get cleaned up. And, you know, this Oklahoma offense is, I think from a run game, has a lot to like. But in terms of, you know, pass protection, it's it was so RPO heavy this past year it was really hard to see Anton Harrison like really develop his technique as a pass protector. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's just so explosive. Like I think to me, he's got the best get off um, out of anybody in this class. And I think that's something that you can really hang your hat on for him. So I think there's going to be a bit of a learning curve for him. Um, But I I gave him a really high second round grade. Um, So Anton Harrison's at a 6.85 for me. So, you know, Mm -hmm that that merits probably going in the top 25 in this class. So mm. um, there's a lot to like, I think his ability to pull and get out in space and be able to get to the second level really stands out as well in the run game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you want to watch like just like his good tape, he had a fantastic game against Felix Enrique Uzama uh, mm. and was some that was a performance that really kind of sealed the deal for me uh, to have him over Bergeron because I really like Bergeron. I don't think Bergeron has the same kind of athletic upside, but I think he's a little bit more refined and it has a yeah. little bit more versatility too. But Anton Harrison, I think, you know, five years from now, if Anton Harrison were the best offensive tackle from this class, I would not mm-hmm. be surprised because there's just – he's so young, he's so unrefined. But the explosiveness and the range just really pops when you watch him on tape to me. Yeah, he's – he was frustrating for me. I have him at the same spot as – I think I did. Let me see. Yeah, I have the same spot. I have him the same spot as you do, second-round grade. I only just like – I wanted to just see that last little bit of – I think – you talk about the explosiveness, the first step, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's there. That's evident. Of course, like Oklahoma, they're pulling a lot. Um, they're asking him to, him to do a lot mm-hmm. in terms of athletic potential. Like he's definitely got at any point of the field. I just felt like the last 10% of finishing the play wasn't quite there for him. Yeah. Um, but overall, like a really, really solid athlete, strikes well, good tackle. Um, so I also have him at four. Oh, who's your three? Sorry, I cut you off. That's okay. I wasn't sure how I wanted to to break that up. Um, but number three is uh, probably no surprise at this point. It's Broderick Do- Jones from Georgia. Um, so, again, somebody that I think probably is being a little bit overhyped for me. Um, so, I, I do have a, yeah. a high second-round grade on him, and some people have him as OT1. Um, that's just not something I can get behind. I think they're you know, for him, it's like – all run blocking at this point. I, I was not a huge fan of the way that he pass protected. It's a lot of, um, who was it? You know, uh, Liam Eikenberg had a lot of the same issues as him. Mm-hmm. And just in terms of like bad hand placement, really being more of an absorber. Um, I wasn't crazy about his ability to anchor, but I mm-hmm. think like athleticism, physicality, he really only started for one year. So yep. like Anton Harrison, there's a lot of just like rookie mistakes Mm. Um, but you know, I, I think there's a ton of upside here as well. Um, so the, the difference here between him and, and Harrison, I think is just like ability to run block and be a, a, a people mover. Like it, it really is that simple. I think Jones yeah. is more powerful at the point of attack mm-hmm. as opposed to Harrison. Who's like a little bit more finesse. Yeah. I have him at three as well. I think he had some really good reps against Ojolari. There was a point where I think Ojolari was having Kind of like, kicked his ass, man. <laughs> yeah, th- there was a point, like I'd say, like a third of the way in the game, where he was holding Ojolari no problem. Like, okay, okay, not holding, sorry, wrong word, but like keeping him at bay, no problem. And then suddenly Ojolari just decided that oh, I'm just going to beat you with with bend and rip and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. then it became like it was like four plays in a row where Broderick Jones had no answer. Why am I talking about this player and putting him at three? It feels so funny to like say these, <laughs> say this, and then have him at three. Um, but yeah. again, it's upside, upside, upside. And he, again, you said he, he played one year at Georgia, um, mm-hmm. only 195 snaps to his name before that. So, um, I think he'll be fine, you know, right system, right coach. Yeah. Um, I think, I think he'll be just fine, but yeah, Ojolari losing at first, then suddenly Ojolari just clicked. And that really like made me go back and think highly of Ojolari as well, because it had been a while since I'd seen him. And it just feels like he keeps falling down boards. But every time I watch him, cause he faced so many of these tackles, it's like, this guy's pretty good. I'm not really sure yeah. <laughs> we're not talking about him more. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the thing with Broderick Jones is it's just all hand timing. It's all his ability to, you know, strike consistently. And it makes sense. Like he started for one year at Georgia. Like he 
he to me, like if he had returned to school, I think you're probably talking about like a bona fide top 10 pick. And and he might go pretty close, you know, like the, the Jets apparently really like him at 13. So mm. um, you know, that's that's maybe that doesn't change his stock at all. But I think for me, like he, we who would have been much higher graded if he had returned, because I think it's just all technique stuff. So yeah, the good news is that it, it's all clean, it's all stuff that he can clean up. You know, I, I don't think you can teach the kind of mentality that he plays with and and the diversity he can give you as a run blocker but as a pass protector uh it just leaves a little bit left to be desired if you're being nitpicky i will say he only had one holding penalty penalty this year and it was against tcu in the final game of the season so uh pretty mistake free in that regard which i think is 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 a good sign it gives you kind of some some hope that he can clean up his mistakes going forward yeah this isn't trevor penning's 22 plus (laughs) last year Thank God we didn't land in that boat, man. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. Finn is asking about Matthew Bergeron. He is Canadian. Uh, you know, so I, I think there is a lot to like. If like, Again, if the Chargers needed a, a true right tackle starter, Bergeron, I think, in the second round would make a lot of sense for them. Um, he, unlike a bunch of other players in this class, has started multiple games and seasons at different positions. He's played left tackle mm-hmm. and right tackle. Um, so Bergeron's a quality player. I think he... Uh, could also play some guard for you as well. So I think he's a pure tackle, but I think he could play guard in a pinch. So um, I'm pretty sure we have the same top two, but we'll we'll see how uh, Tyler is feeling here. But Darnell Wright for me <laughs> is number two. And then Paris Johnson Jr. is number one for me from the Ohio State. So Two Buckeyes, two Sooners in my top ten, mm-hmm. which is is just unfair to me uh, as somebody who <laughs> could never dream of having their school having a top two or three offensive tackle in the draft. Although Gary Bowles was a top drafted pick, I guess. But um, so I'll, I'll let you talk about Darnell Wright. I'll talk about Paris Johnson Jr., um, who uh, you know Alex Katzen pointing this out. He's fluent in Chinese. He has oh, majored... easy number one. Forget <laughs> it. What am I even considering? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is. Uh, he graduated in three years from Ohio State and their um, journalism program. He's being mentored by Mike Garofolo from NFL Network. So very bright, intelligent human being. And uh, like some of these other players in this class, he's only started one year at left tackle. He started 2021 season at right guard. Despite, despite being 6'6 and having 36-inch arms. So um, you want to talk about range and length. Like, I think that's what really sets apart Paris Johnson in this class. Like, he's just able to get to places that other people cannot. Like, as simple as that sounds. Like, his his natural traits just, like, really pop when you watch him. So there, I do have some concerns about his anchor ability. And, and Brandon mm-hmm. Thorne pointed this out, too. Like, if you watch him against... Um, ben does against Van Ness and and well as well as in the Georgia game I think there were some instances where um their rushers were able to kind of you know get under him but I think to me that's just like all technique things I think you can clean mm-hmm. that up you can't teach what he has and just like the explosiveness the length really stands out the recovery ability to me was something that, was that really one. caught my eye too and really kind of sealed the deal in terms of him versus Darnell Wright so some things to clean up, but again, like you're talking about rare, rare length at the position, 36 inch arms. Um, I think it was, it might've been Brett Coleman saying that it just like kind of reminds him like body type wise of Tyron Smith, which is like, 
a hell mm. of a comp. Like, I don't know if they can stand <laughs> like play style and, and great, yeah. but I mean, just you're talking about 36 inch arms, man. Like there's like two or three guys in the league who have that kind of length. So mm-hmm. you get him into a great system. I think he could easily be a, a, cons- a perennial pro bowler in the league right now. All right. Well, tackle speaking fluent Chinese is definitely not something I expected to do today. <laughs> That's a great fun breaking fact, barriers though. right there. That's outstanding. Someone says uh, in the chat, the defense won't know what he's saying. I would love <laughs> for those calls back and forth. Um, that's yeah. amazing. But yeah. Um, yeah, Paris Johnson Jr. is the, I don't say he's the only player in this class. He's the most tackle that plays chess, I feel like, in this class. In particular, like, yeah. guys that you know could beat him with power, let's say like Lucas Van Ness. And there were moments for that where they got their hands on him first. Like you can beat him in that regard. But Paris Johnson Jr., I think, has the best reset and fix, like the ability to adjust to, like, do make be the third move, not just like defense yeah. does something, I do something, and then we'll see what the result is. His ability to reset and do something different and to just like calm the edge rusher down or whoever it is down and just end the play there, like that is stands out so much to me. So it does pain me in some ways because I do love Darnell Wright. Although Darnell Wright, I don't think is fluent in Chinese. So, you know, maybe I don't love him as much. Um, but man, like as soon as I turn it on the film and he's got these long white sleeves, I'm like, that's going to be the guy that I like. Um, I don't know why. I nearly put him at offensive tackle one. I really, really thought about it up until really yesterday. I, I, I just like, could I go with my heart and put Darnell right there? I don't know. But you know, from the from the first snap, I thought I was going to get some you know thick, stout, power anchor type. Um, but then he's pulling, and then he's combo blocking, and then he's getting to the second level, um, and he's setting really well. And he's three hundred and thirty three pounds, and almost broad jump ten feet. You know, which is like ninety something percentile. Um, but he's doing it at three hundred and thirty three pounds. Um, Steve Avila, who's a pound lighter, I believe, uh, jumped like a foot and a quarter shorter than him in, in the broad jump. Like he's just. A, a different level athlete. I think he strikes well. I think he moves well. He's one of the guys that actually finishes. And I'm not saying he's like angry, aggressive by any means, but I didn't feel like this was the meanest class of offensive tackles. And Darnell Wright really does stand out with his, aggre- you know, controlled aggressiveness there. So um, I love him. I don't have a ton of complaints to them, to be completely honest. I would put him at offensive tackle one if it weren't for Paris Johnson Jr., um, who I do think is both more advanced and he did play left tackle. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that is certainly something to consider. Although, you know, we're in a spot where left tackle, right tackle doesn't necessarily matter a ton. Um, But the first game that I watched of Darnell Wright was against Florida. And you would have thought it was like a high school, you know, senior against like a freshman JV player. (laughs) Like the man was just out there snatching dudes left and right. Yeah, man. Bully ball all day long. Um, To me, like he he has rare traits in the run game too. Mm-hmm. Like there were a couple of times where a lot of times when you're the, the, the front side tackle, who's asked to do a down block with, with your guard, a lot of the times the scheme will require you to like come off and get the linebacker as well. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of tackles have that kind of range. And there was a play against Florida where they down blocked and it was like <laughs> they took the defensive tackle. I think it was Irvon <laughs> Dexter actually, like four yards the other way. And then he was able to peel off like in an instant, get the linebacker, and Tennessee's running back was able to go and, and mm-hmm. get a 20-yard gain. And it was just like a rare, rare, you know, rare kind of play against Florida. And that was all over his tape. So 
Yeah. Um, you know, again, there's there's some things that you could nitpick. I think Darnell Wright, his aggressive nature can, uh, you know, lead to some losses that are avoidable to me mm-hmm. because he's so just like. I'm going to try and kill you today. Not in the same sense as Trevor Penning, where like literally he's trying to kill you and your quarterback uh, and you're going to get a penalty (laughs) and you're going to lose. So there it's a good aggressiveness, but I think it it can get to a little excessive at times. And just in terms of like losing a rep. So Mm -hmm. um, if you're being nitpicky, like that's one thing. And then the recovery ability is, is a tad concerning as well. But Mm -hmm. um, and just in terms of like size, athleticism range like he has rare traits and you really see that in the run game in particular yeah no he's awesome he won my heart um i'm not trying to find like my guys in this in this group but he just yeah he he stole my heart early on and i was really tempted to put him off in the tackle one i had had a ton of fun watching him i think johnson's better i had more fun watching right yeah one of the one of the more fun players in this class for sure Mm mm-hmm all right. Um, final position rankings, Tyler. Out of the way. How are we feeling? I feel a lot better. I don't know if it just is like the second and third rounds are better this year or for whatever reason. Um, I, I, other than linebacker, like it was actually fun watching and I don't feel as tired as I did um, this time last year. I don't know if it's because we had watched more players. I think I did end up watching more. I feel like I've watched less and less. Um, over the last couple of years, but I feel good and I'm happy to, you know, we'll be talking about our big board and at some point, like, I don't know where my, my board stands. I think it's like 125 players or something. It's not like a ton, Mm -hmm. but you know, I got some stuff done, you know, and I had some other things that I was doing, like getting, you know, married and a master's and all that sort of thing. (laughs) Um, so just, it's nice to look back and really, you know, we'll talk about this on, on Saturday when we talk about the big board, but. I think it is really cool that even if I'm 100% wrong with everything that's on here, and there's really no reason that I should be right, but at least we did our homework. At least, you know, the, look on Twitter and see the film clip outs. Look at the big board. Look at the way we talk about it. Look at the numbers. Look at the composite rankings, the prototypes. Like, yeah. we've gone through as much as we possibly can. Um, and Telesco still won't drop the receiver and make it all <laughs> Not worth it for us, but you know we are going to know these receiver groups front and back until they end up drafting one in the first round. Yeah, no, from like a top four rounds, I feel pretty good about like okay, I feel like I probably have watched these guys. Like I think mm-hmm. that you know there's enough there. Um, you know this this is a fun this is a really fun day two group. Like to me, it is. I had outside of like Darnell Wright and and. Dalton Kincaid like I think I had way more fun watching the day two guys than I did the day one guys like Zay Flowers is really fun but like I had way more fun watching Marvin Mims and Jonathan Mingo for example yeah you know so it's just this is a really great draft to have multiple top 100 picks so hopefully we can uh, continue (laughs) to speak that into existence and hopefully the Chargers can can get some more of those so um last position breakdown like we said if you missed any of the other ones, you want to go check them out. They are, they are all available on YouTube. So make sure and, and go watch those if you're kind of cramming for the before the draft. So um, you know, it's been a ton of fun doing things with Tyler. Like he said, uh, I never feel comfortable putting a grade on a player if I have not watched at least three games of all yep. 22 tape. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's not always the case. You know, sometimes you do have to YouTube some things. Um, but you know, the all 22 is really gives you a more complete picture. And then obviously 
uh, the composite rankings and statistics and things like that as well. So um, doing our homework for sure. I mean, we're two educators. It wouldn't be any other way, <laughs> but uh, doing our homework. So uh, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out for the evening? I am very excited for next week for so many reasons, and I can't wait for next week to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a great week for the podcast. Great week for mm-hmm. the Chargers. Um, like Tyler hinted at, on Saturday, we'll be doing our official big board. We haven't decided if we're going to do just 50, 60, 75. We'll, we'll see how much time we have. Um, but we'll at least do 50, and you guys can get some insight into some of the prospects that we really like. We're going to talk about some players that have kind of moved up and down uh, the mm. board that we've kind of shifted on. You know, Tyler hinted at, like, Lucas Van Ness earlier. So um, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that's going to be happening on Saturday. So make sure and stay tuned for that one. Uh, Tyler, appreciate it as well. Uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate everybody in the chat today. And we'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.